Welcome to the Everletic Bites Tips and Tricks Podcast, where we share practical tidbits you can use today to get maximum business results from your marketing and business communication efforts. Hi everyone, I'm so pleased to introduce you to our guest Shmuel Hirschberg, a sought-out keynote speaker key opinion leader and a seasoned digital marketing executive who lives and breathes email marketing. He is the founder of Shine Media, a boutique agency that offers creative marketing automation, content strategy and paid media services. With over 15 years of experience, Shmuel possesses a unique blend of technological awareness coupled with strategic thinking and customer psychology. This enables him to translate customer needs into actionable winning strategies. It's great of you to join us. Thank you. Thank you for having me and thank you for that lovely introduction. Great. Well, email marketing is still one of the most lucrative communication channels today. What are some of the tips you could give our audience to get the most out of their email marketing campaigns? Well, some of the key tips are, first of all, planning and having an email marketing calendar. So you're being proactive about email marketing. One of the things that I hear from clients is that they're trying to get results and they're trying to analyze their results. But without a proper plan, a proactive plan, it's hard to get those results. Because once the month ends, there's nothing you can do about your results for that particular month. So having a plan is is essential. Mm, Another thing that you can do is also competitive intelligence. And I always think that it's very important to join your competitor's email list, as well as just brands that you think are inspiring. And when I recommend and coach clients on how to do this, I always tell them to be intentional about it. You know, it's not that you should just sign up for a list and forget about it you want to sign up and write down take some notes about how you actually are going to go through their funnels are you going to go through as a paid customer is he, are you going to go through this as a guest and when you're signing up let's say you have a gmail address you can always use a plus sign after your email address so for example if you have the email address at gmail called example at gmail.com you could use example plus shine media at gmail.com and gmail still treats that as the same address so you'll get it into your inbox and then you could keep tabs on how they're sending emails what the cadence is uh, what the content is and you could kind of get like an inside peek at to what your competitors are doing that's very interesting. Have you seen clients get quite quite a lot of success from doing that? Do they learn some interesting things through their competitors? Well, you definitely see their style in terms of the content and how often they send out emails. I think that's one thing that when people are getting into the email marketing game, they're always nervous to send out too many emails and you know, but I always say that the lifetime of an actual email campaign is only a few hours because people are signed up to so many lists nowadays Mm. that they get a plethora of emails. And if you're not going to see that email within the first, you know, six to eight hours or, you know, definitely the next day, you probably have a whole pile of other promotional emails sitting in your inbox. So you're not going to go through those emails. You'll do a bulk delete on them. 
you shouldn't be afraid about sending too many emails. And I think when you do sign up to uh, some other lists, you will be surprised to see that more often than not, you will be getting more emails than you probably would have thought that you would have received. Yeah, and I think it's quite interesting because something you can learn is, you know, you can learn from what they're doing right, but also what they're doing wrong. And you're right. You have to learn what makes you stand out in the inbox because it is, it's, it's really, really busy. So what's going to make that subscriber actually engage with your content? Correct. You have to stand out in the inbox. Like you said, the inbox is, is super competitive and, Especially during you know certain times of the year, the holidays, for example, Black Friday. Everyone, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. You know, there's so many emails sent out on Black Friday, uh, and and it's probably not a bad idea to send two, or maybe even three emails throughout the day to your highly engaged list. But one thing to stand out, you have that pattern interruption. Uh, if, if I'm looking at my inbox in my Gmail personal account and I'm looking at all the promotions and, and brands that I'm subscribed to, there's just line after line, from name, subject line, and then that preview text as well. Uh, and more often than not, it, lots of times it, it just gets truncated because there's just too much text between those three categories. So I, I think negative space can really help brands out as well to stand out. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if, if you're looking at your inbox, like I said, uh, it's probably around 20 to 25 lines of, of Gmail when it's on the minimized mode. And when you have that white space there, you know, and you do this by ditching the preview text, having a short uh, subject line, you'll have like a lot of white space on that line. And, and all of a sudden that white space pops and I think that can draw eyes to your email. Yeah, that's very interesting. And I know that you've written a bit about uh, different ideas around pattern interruption. And one of the suggestions that you had was also using emojis, right? Do you want to unpack that a little bit? Yeah, so uh, there's a whole debate about emojis. Should you use them? Should you not use them? And I think like any good marketer will know, the answer is you got to mix it up. You can't have every email, you know, unless you're the emoji brand, you can't have every email coming out with emoji in the subject line, but you should always be testing it. And when you have a newsletter with many of the email service providers, you can use a split test, which uh, will send out your email to, let's say around 25 to 50% of the list with a, a split test. And by doing that, you can see in real time what works. So you could throw in uh, emojis, uh, the same subject line with an emoji before uh, the subject line uh, versus uh, the same subject line without an emoji. And you don't need to know what's going to win. You can let the email service provider and you can let your subscribers decide the winner and have the remaining uh, subset go out to the winning combination. Mm. But I think further than that, I think it's also important to test the from name and also the from email address. Uh, and we could unpack this more, but I think that's also something that that is also needs a lot of attention uh, when you're when you're really trying to up your email marketing game. 
Yeah, I agree. It's actually something that we analyzed. We did an A-B test um, sometime during this year and we realized, it was, actually it was last year, we realized that sending marketing emails from a person rather than just the company like Everlytic actually got much higher engagements. Yes, yes. It's surprising what a difference in the from name can do. And I, I just want to tell you a story that illustrates this. So I was recently speaking at the DMI Expo in Tel Aviv. Uh, and I gave a talk on email marketing, and I was talking about pattern interruption strategies. And after my speech, I was speaking with someone in the audience. Uh, we had a lovely conversation. And then later in the week, I got an email from this brand, which this lady didn't know. I was subscribed to her brand's uh, marketing list. And I saw an email that actually came out from that brand, which was, you know, normally the emails would come out from brand name or they would come from you know, the spokesperson at brand name. And this particular email came out from Black Friday headquarters at brand name. And the from email address also wasn't just your support or spokesperson at brand name. It was awesome at brand name. And <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that's, that's very cool. Very different. Exactly. Yes, that's exactly what I thought. I thought awesome, you know. Not only yeah. not only was that I think this email was awesome, but it, it was something that, you know, I, I felt, you know, some gratification that I had spoken about this and this person actually took my advice and used it. And I think I think, you know, like you said, that's it, it was just awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. OK, so we've got keeping a proper content calendar and we've got pattern interruption. What are some of the other tips you can give marketers to get the best from the email campaigns? Okay, so still on the deliverability front, I always talk about different email clients. So we spoke before about Gmail and how the Gmail inbox is super crowded and filled line after line, but there are other email clients out there. Gmail probably has probably around 50% on most commercial lists. But there are other providers out there. Yahoo is still strong outlook. And the truth of the matter is that they don't all have the same value in terms of how they're viewed in terms of inboxing. You might be able to get Gmail inboxed at a very high open rate and a very high click rate. But your issues with Yahoo, for example, might be really, really bad, but if you're not dissecting and diving into who's on your list, and by that I don't mean people's names, I mean email clients like Yahoo. If you're not doing that, you're not gonna know what's going on. You're gonna see problems that get swept under the rug, mainly because Gmail is so big. So if you have, let's say, if Yahoo's, let's say 10%, but you're inboxing nothing there, right? It's all going to spam in the junk folder. You probably won't realize that. So it's important to break down your list and, and see who's on it and then do some tests every now and again to ensure that you are having the highest deliverability and, and engagement rates that you can have by each email client. So how do you suggest someone does that? Yeah, so the first thing I would do is just analyze the data. So download your recent newsletter list to see who it went out to, get it into an Excel, parse out the, the email. So you just have the email client like Gmail and then and Yahoo and Outlook, and then put it into a pivot chart and actually see the percentages. So you'll get like a lot of customized domains and 
there's unfortunately not much you can do with that. But you might be surprised to see Yahoo is 10 to 15% of your list. And that's a significant size. And if they're that big, you want to send an email out just to those people on Yahoo, because then you'll be you'll easily be able to detect if you have an open rate, a deliverability problem with that particular email client. And I would recommend you do this, you know, anywhere from one to four times a month, just so you could keep tabs because things are always changing. And if you do have an issue, you really want to clamp down on the engagement metric when you're building out the segment for your email campaign. Uh, so normally people talk about 90 days, 180 days. I even go down as, as, as low as 15 days engagement or 30 days engagement when I'm doing uh, campaigns uh, because I want to get the highest engagement rate. I don't want to just blast and spray and pray all the time because that's not going to do uh, me any good in the long run for my standing with Gmail and Yahoo yeah, and Outlook. For sure. And what other tips can you share? So another tip that you can use for content management to really make your emails engaging is dynamic content. So this time of the year, a lot of my clients, their audience is in the US where it's a beginning of winter and the holidays, Christmas, there's a lot of snow in the in the holiday themes. Uh, I know it might not be like that in South Africa, but using this uh, tip, you can infuse holiday images into your emails. You could also use animated GIFs, which really make the emails come alive. And of course, holiday language. Yeah, and I think that's such a really important point because you really do want to speak to your audience around the various seasons. But how do you also save time as a marketer to not have to create like five different emails that speak to your segmented audience? So I, I 100% agree with dynamic content. It definitely saves time on the marketer's side as well. Yeah, so you want to use dynamic content. And if you want to take it a, a, a level deeper, you actually use dynamic content in your templates. And this could help you save time uh, and make your emails, particularly your welcome emails and all of your automation funnels, all of those emails get the window treatment, so to speak, with the holidays. So if you program your emails and your welcome emails and all of your automations statically, you're going to have a, a ton of emails that you're going to have to go back every time around the holidays or anytime you want to make a little change to it and have hours worth of work and it's not going to be fun for anyone. So when you're programming your welcome emails, you make sure you're using dynamic code in the template. So that way, if you have a header image, a hero image at the top of your email, for example, that could always be updated dynamically so that when the holidays roll around, you can have your holiday theme in the email. And if you want to take it another step further, you could put dynamic content based on country uh, that your subscribers in. So you could really fine tune that. So you get the real holiday message that's really apropos per each country and or region that you're operating in. Yeah, and I think that's so powerful. I mean, that's that's like a real personalized message speaking to me exactly where I am. Absolutely. And also with content as well. You can use this not just around the holidays. You could use this with different demographics and 
You know, I always talk about with the data that we have in our emails that you have to be nice and but not creepy mm. because we do have the data. And if you make it work, it could be so beautiful and, and people can feel like they're getting a one to one email. But if you're not doing the right things, you'll make people really feel uncomfortable. You'll ruffle their feathers, so to speak, uh, if you're if you're putting in data that that makes them think, wait a second, they know when I last clicked on an email, they know all this information about me. You, you don't want to do that. You want to be nice. So that's yeah. you know, very important and, and use that to your advantage. Yeah, it's about having balance at the end of the day. We've actually written an article around privacy paradox, and it's about that balance because, you know, our customers and our consumers, they really do want personalized content, but they don't want to give too much of their data. So it's kind of like that fine line where you give enough personalization, but not too much. Like you say, don't be creepy. Correct. Correct. Like Google, like in my feed on my smartphone, Google's always pointing me to new websites, new news items and stuff. And when I get there, there's always that policy thing. And if it's the first time I'm on the website, I don't want to just accept all. Yeah. I just feel, I just don't feel comfortable. And I don't feel that like, Hey, I, I might, this might be my only visit to this website. Why am I, you know, going to just accept all and not be fully aware of what they're tracking and what they know. And yes, I, I know they don't know it's Shmuel Hirschberg with, you know, down to my ad home address and stuff. Yeah. But in terms of just general things, I just, you know, you want to have some sense of privacy and some uh, sense, you know, of browsing that they're not in your face and they don't know exactly who you are. Yes, for sure. And I mean, that just brings me like, like to a side point, which shows also the power of email marketing is the cookie is also going to die soon. <laughs> like Google is uh, expiring yes. the cookie. And what that means for marketers is, you know, having to build up these first party databases um, and not just relying on, on the retargeting aspect. So, so that's definitely somewhere where email marketing is going to shine through quite heavily. Yes, for sure. I'm and we're all already seeing that with the Apple privacy mailbox, how Apple's opening up all the emails. So you're not really Absolutely. getting a full sense of who's opening up your emails. So open rates are, are really becoming a, a, a stat of yesteryear. And I've written an article about this, how open rates to begin with are, are overrated because you could always inflate your open rates. Mm. But you currently still do get a sense of who's opening up your emails. And you could also see some email service providers do break down the opens by uh, the Apple privacy opens versus the real opens. And that's obviously a good metric still. Yeah. But yeah, if once we lose the open rates completely, you're going to have to rely completely on the click-through rates. You're going to have to also rely on replies, getting replies to emails and opening up the conversation in email marketing to make it a two-way street. Because uh, that's also another area of deliverability that I think is often overlooked that people just don't want to get responses or they don't think about that they could get responses mm. for whatever reason. And that's also sends a, a powerful signal to the Gmails and the Yahoos in the world that, hey, this center is a reliable sender. People are taking the time to not only just open up the email and scroll down, you know, and see what the email has to say, but they're taking the time to reply to an email. Mm. This guy's not spam. This is a real email sender and we value him uh, because they're 
customers, their subscribers are opening and replying to those emails, engagement. So it's huge for engagement. Absolutely. And that's why I still can't believe that there are still brands out there with no reply email addresses. Yes, yes. It drives me mad. Yes, you see that. And, and you also see at the bottom of the email, please do not reply to this email address. It's it's not being monitored. And, and furthermore, I've seen emails that, that, that they have that line and it says for support inquiries right here. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a golden opportunity if they would just link their CRM and email marketing provider to accept emails because it does send such a powerful signal. So how do you envision businesses managing if they get an influx of engagement responses via the email campaigns? So working together with the customer success team is very important. You can't just work in a silo and send out a campaign asking people to respond to an email. And then all of a sudden your customer success team is going to be inundated with thousands of emails. So you want to work with them, obviously. And you want to build a game plan that's going to work for everyone because it has to be a win-win. You wouldn't be doing your customer success team a favor if they're all of a sudden going to come in the next morning and they're going to find their inboxes and they're going to be backed up for so long and then not be able to help people that need the support they need. So always work together with the customer support team uh, and the customer success team to tell them what's coming out, what's in the pipeline for your email marketing For example, if you're going to have a a campaign that goes out in the middle of the week, that the goal of the campaign is to get replies. So tell your customer support team, tell them in advance, show them the email. uh, And perhaps they could also have some good insights into what you should be asking. Because remember, they're fielding a lot of questions, uh, even complaints, perhaps. So they know what the pain points are for uh, your subscribers. So they could give you some good insight in terms of what to ask and then build out a plan with them. So let's say they could only handle 100 responses in a day. You want a segment. You have to be smart about it. You can't just send out to a a wide audience. You need to really segment down your list so you make everything manageable. And that way they can also deal with uh, the responses and no one gets left out in the cold, so to speak. Yeah, I love that. I think somewhere where marketers really need to get stronger, we do that in our marketing team is we align very closely with the different departments because you're right, they're on the ground, they're having those conversations. And then yes, preempting what type of campaigns are coming. And then, you know, using a platform. So with Evalytic, you can actually set how many emails you want to send a day. So that way you could say, okay, well, how many responses can you manage? And you can make sure that you only send X amount of emails out per day just to help them with the capacity. So that's a really, really great tip. Yeah, that's excellent. Uh, Being able to manage uh, the expectations and, and manage the workload, that's also so important. Just going back to the point on open rates, I think that... It's putting marketers in a very interesting position because, you know, the open rate, it has been sort of 
quite a vanity metric. And I think you're right. I think we, we got to focus on the engagement, but ultimately the conversions at the end of the day. And email is such an attribution channel, right? It doesn't mean that someone is going to necessarily convert from that email, but it brings them to your website. And then you potentially have these other campaigns that hook them and they may come back the next time they see an email or they may come back from a social media campaign. It's such an amazing channel for that. And I think that's something that market really need to be aware of. Yes, for sure. Uh, yeah, and it's something that I talk about a lot, that not every email has a, has a dollar sign or a rand sign in front of it that you need to market if it's a successful email or not. Lots of times, you know, emails, especially around the holidays, showing gratitude and, and telling people thank you or wishing someone a happy holiday is not a bad thing. That's a good thing. And we should be doing that, especially if we're talking about one-to-one engagement. Having said that, though, emails that do have a dollar value or, or a, a RAND value in South Africa, that you do need to follow and, and track the revenue from that. I use, I use something called the revenue per mil RPM. I've also seen people call it PPM, profit per mil, where it's basically you take the total amount of revenue and you divide it into the amount of sends. And then you multiply that by a thousand and it kind of just gives you some benchmark of how much revenue that email made per 1000 emails that were sent. And it's specifically sent and not open and not click because we're talking about your list. Uh, We want to talk about what the purity and what the health of your list size is just gives you a good benchmark stat of how much revenue that email brought to your company. And I think that's the best way to actually look at email when you're trying to tie in revenue attribution to your email campaigns. Mm, For sure. No, that's a great tip. Anything else you'd like to share with our audience? So most of the day we're on our smartphones, whether it's when we wake up in the morning and we're looking at our, our messages or the daily news or whatever it is, when we're going on social, when we're on the train or wherever, we're looking at our mobile phone for entertainment, for communication, everything, and also email. And the time where we're not on our mobile phone, it's when we're at work. When we're at work, we're usually on a desktop computer uh, and not on our mobile devices. But because most of the people are going to be opening up uh, emails on the mobile device, you really have to take the time to test your emails to make sure that they are mobile compatible. Now, most mm. of the time, they, everything is fine, but there's so much at stake here. Over 60% of emails are actually opened up on smartphones. So to not take the extra five minutes to just test your email to make sure that it's compatible, to make sure that the images are rendering properly, to make sure that the template stacks properly, to make sure that the font size is legible and and you can read it without squinting. Uh, it's super important. And for any young ones who are listening to this podcast and, and they're managing their list, also think about the demographic, your target demographic, because it's probably older than you. So make sure that they wouldn't be squinting either. <laughs> 
No, that's a very good point. And actually, that's something that I'm sure many ESPs do. I know that uh, Everlytic does. We have an inbox preview uh, where our customers can actually look at what the email will look like on various devices. So it's really, really important to check that. And I also find, yeah. especially with the remote working, so yes, they may be working on their, on their desktop at home, but they're probably also checking like personal emails come through on their phone. So it kind of happens at the same time. Yes, for sure. So they're checking they're checking everything on their mobile phone for their personal stuff, but then their professional stuff they're sending out through the desktop and they're sending test emails to their work email address and they're not necessarily looking or testing those emails to their personal email. And like I said, it, it just takes a few minutes, probably even less, probably takes 30 seconds or so to just send that test to their personal email, pull up your smartphone, at your desk, at work, and just make sure everything's okay. Check the boxes. If you're cloning templates, right, you could be assured that everything should be fine most of the time. So you don't need, maybe, you know, if you're pressured and you don't want to check every time, okay, fine. I, I could live with that. But, you know, check every couple of days. Check once a week or something. You know, you don't want to be cloning the wrong email. That that would be really bad. Yeah. And then also make sure that your landing page that you're directing people to or your website is mobile optimized because there's nothing more annoying when you, you've got this beautiful email and it's all mobile optimized and then you click through and you're completely disengaged because now you've got to scroll and you've got to zoom in or zoom out. It's uh, It can create quite a disconnected experience. Correct. A hundred percent. And also you want to make sure that the links are correct. You know, you added an extra space in your code with a link or you try to edit the tracking link with your campaign ID, for example, and mm. all it takes is one human error. And then you send out an email to 50,000, 100,000 people, and they get a 404 page. And that's that's not a good thing. You want to avoid that. Yeah, 100%. But if it does happen, you want to make uh, you know good on your error, and you should always you know send out a follow-up email and just you know say it as it is. Sorry, there was a problem with the link. Here's the correct link. Yeah, transparency. Not mm -hmm. just, you know, sticking your head in the sand and pretending it didn't happen. Correct. Great. Well, Shmuel, it's been wonderful chatting to you. And I think you've given our audience some great tips to really skyrocket their email campaigns. Thank you. And until next time. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.